And good morning, and welcome to The Old School, a podcast on the modern education system in the United States and the problems therein and possible solutions as a result. My name is Ross Miller. I'm with Dr. Stephen Bourgeois, and we can be found now on a growing number of platforms that you might listen to your various podcasts. And so, um, good morning, Dr. Bourgeois. Good morning, Mr. Miller. Um, How's it going? I'm fine. Um, to me, I mean, mind you, I'm not teaching. So summer is not summer. It's just work. And it's a chance to <laughs> make more money, actually. That's what I do. Um, but you say some of the teachers, I imagine other teachers take it in the same vein, don't you think? I don't know. I mean, you're downright giddy. I've, I've, I mean, you've been kind of grumpy for the last nine months. And there's a little bit of spring in your step, it looks like. <laughs> it's because I'm about to go on vacation. That's why. Okay, well, we talked about vacation, about some teachers start rather early, you know, before the students have been released. Much like the students, yeah, there, there are some, there are some uh, teachers that begin quite early. You know, one of the things I was thinking that we could talk about of a uh, slightly uh, provocative nature, we could, we could mention, uh, given the current and normal problems that teachers face, what is the appropriate type of alcohol to soothe those issues after the workday is done? So you're, you're saying that in jest, you're not thinking that we're going to spend an hour talking about the relative benefits of rum or tequila or... Uh, Only rum. one of us is capable of extending a conversation about alcohol for an hour, and I'm not that person, but... Uh, well, it would be a, one, a one-sided. I would be pretty much educating you on, <laughs> on, on how not to make that funny face you do when you have a glass or something. The only thing I know is that according to the great philosopher Buffett, that rum is for all your good vices. That's all I know. And, you know, rum is for all your good vices. Yeah. yeah. Son of a son of a sailor. Oh my goodness. Um, why don't we you not don't like do Jimmy that? Buffett? Do you No, I, I love Jimmy Buffett, but I don't want to spend an hour talking about um, something where we'll lose listeners one after the other. <laughs> um, why, why don't you pick another uh, task for us today here, Miller? Well, I think one of the things and it's rather apropos that we should t- talk about it today, has to do with the summer break and how the summer break in many ways shapes the job, but also shapes the perception of the job and the kind of difference between what people think teachers do and what a lot of good conscientious teachers actually do. Okay. And, and which of those categories um, do you fall? Well, I have always said that I, you know, because here's the thing. Every time you talk to people about being a teacher, there are two things that you know are going to come out of their mouth at some point. One, wow, I really respect what you do. Not that people don't respect what I do, but, you know, I I don't know if they do or not. It just doesn't matter. You know, when you look at the list of jobs uh, that are listed under the most respected jobs, (laughs) teaching comes pretty low on the list, you know. So maybe they do, maybe they don't. I don't know. The second thing, in a much more derisive sort of way, they bring up the summer break as if whatever you good you can say about August through May, it gets washed away by the seemingly inactivity of June and July in the beginning of August. And I think a lot of people kind of see it as, I don't know, one big goof off period. <laughs> I guess I don't, I, I don't, I, to be honest, I don't know what they think about it. You know, I, I can only go by their comments and, and sometimes the comments are not generous. 
Well, so the the fact that teachers have a longer vacation, they, they take that as a personal affront. Um, don't know what to do with that information. Well, a combination of the summer plus spring break, there's a fall break, there's a there's two weeks plus in Christmas. You know, there's a lot of things about how the calendar is shaped that is then turned around and used to assess the profession. And I'm not sure that's the best way of going about it, you know? Well, so, so back to the summer, and we, we've discussed how hard teaching is. And if yes. you do it right, <laughs> you do it right, <laughs> you should be pretty well spent by the time you get to June. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, th- I think, you know, there's the old, there's the old uh, um, army commercial. We'll joke that the army came up with this and whether that's true or not, but they say they do more before 9 a.m. than most people do all day. Eh, maybe they do, maybe they don't. I don't know. I was never in the army. I can't say for sure, but you know, it is said that, you know, the teachers do a hell of a lot of work over the course of a year over the course of the nine months, 10 months that they work, you know, and so certainly if any profession is due a little siesta, a little time off, a little, a little break, a little pause, as the Germans say, to kind of reflect, to re-energize yourself for the coming year, I think it should be teaching. But, you know, it is, it is, a, it is a means by which to denigrate the profession. Now, what did you typically do over the summers when you taught there's there's a lot of different. I mean, I taught at a lot of different schools, but I'll, I'll, my I think my best example is when I um, when I was teaching relatively early in my career. I was at a school for six years, and uh, we've discussed the end of school and how I hated the the checkout period for right. teachers, where the building was empty and they started announcing, "Here, bourgeois, please get out <laughs> of the building. We need your grades right now." And uh, that stressed me out. It still does. I get a little twitchy talking about that but but what i did in, in in my wisdom was was have my car packed and this this was new for me because it, it was hard for me to get out of school right. but once i had checked out and signed out and they they slammed the door behind me uh i would get into my car and it was an old mobile achieva it was cool for about five minutes <laughs> <laughs> and then they stopped making them um, but uh, I, I would get into that car and, and drive, um, you know, so I never went back to my apartment. I went from school and driving to the West Coast. I grew up in Oregon, and so I wanted to go see my parents. And it took about three days um, to get there for, you know, three nights typically maybe. But I remember that that trip, just leaving around three o'clock or two or whatever, I'm trying to get my way to East Texas as far as possible. Mm-hmm. But I felt a lot of stress for about a day and a half where I was worried about, did I, should I have failed that kid? You know, did I, did I turn this in? Did I, am I, am I going to get called back, you know, on that speaker? <laughs> um, so, so the stress was real. And about the time I got past Denver and starting heading up, you know, towards Wyoming, um, it, it was getting better. And then when you, when you make that left turn West, you know, suddenly you forget about it. So that there is a, period of, of, of dealing with it because the stress is real and it's cumulative and it's constant as a teacher you never you never take a deep breath because there's always something to worry about um, so I, I just I remember that part you know I, mean, I don't want to get into the rest of the summer maybe you can talk about what you do but that early phase was always tough for me to, to, to let it go and apparently if I if I remember my American geography correctly 
about the time you started to lose the stress is when perhaps you remembered your John Muir. The mountains are calling. You start to see the mountains in the distance and you know to yourself, in the grand scheme of things, this is all pretty much small stuff. Yeah, well said, Herbino. I got a little tear in my eye there. <laughs> but as you go through Wyoming, you know, there, there's a point where you you feel like you're on top of everything, you know, and it's it's just this expanse and it's a beautiful thing. And you're driving through fields early in the morning. And what could be more opposite than walking into a school building and all those all that commotion, you know, suddenly? So I, I think it's a good transition. Um, but a lot of teachers transition to their kids being home, their own kids. Mm. And, and so it's a little bit different, you know, than being free to, to explore the country. Well, I will admit that over the last six years, my summers have been a little less footloose and fancy free as they were the previous 19 years. But I think there's something about, you know, because typically after school, after school is over, there's kind of a release. And with that release, you usually get sick. <laughs> I used to get sick all the time at right after school was over. Remember, because you've been running, you've been running on fumes basically for the last couple of months. And but you've not been able to be in a position where you've kind of that you could kind of, you know, throttle back as it were. But now that the school year is over, you're able to throttle back a little bit. And then all of a sudden uh, your immune system just goes haywire. And then pretty soon you're sick, you know. And but then after that, then there is this kind of, well, you got about a week or so where you're just not doing crap. You're sitting there laying on a couch, you know, doing God knows what, you know, just watching your stories. I don't know what you do in the summer. but then after that, you got your first, you go on your first kind of vacation. And then after that, my, my mindset changes a little bit and where my mindset begins to start to focus on what well, becomes the reflection of the school year. Because if you are a conscientious teacher, then there should be some reflection. Now, certainly you're going to do reflection all throughout the school year, but what you do in the summer is you kind of take the entire year in in its entirety, entire year in its entirety, um, by considering where what you could have done better, how you could have done things differently. And so for me, part of that time over the summer is spent doing that and then making plans and then trying to figure out how to do things differently. So I think it's only in a couple of weeks that you have what could be described as kind of like a vacation. And then it's kind of like a very mild form of work where you're Yes, you're still technically on vacation. In this case, I have a kid I have to take care of. But then um, the other time is spent starting to put things together for the next year. You know, So for example, this year, this, ne this next coming year, I'm about to teach a subject I have not taught in a while. And so part of my responsibility is going to be you know, trying to get myself up to speed on this particular topic. And so um, it's quite different from when I used to teach it. There's been a lot of changes to the curriculum. And so therefore, it's going to require me to do some do some work to get myself up to speed so that on the first day of school, I'm ready to rock and roll and there's no problem. You know, I think the other aspect of this is not just kind of from a job point of view, but I think part of this, at least for me, is it's also a mental step away because I think we talked about this before. I think in general despite the rather jovial, gregarious nature you might find me to have on this podcast, um, I'm a fairly introverted person. And so when I teach, it takes a lot out of me. 
mentally, physically, what have you, you know, because over the course of a day, I am constantly not in my natural state. My natural state is in quiet, you know, jazz playing or something like that. And while I may get that from time to time, um, you know, I'm teaching, I'm, I'm on as it were, and that takes a lot out of you. And so part of it is trying to get yourself ready for the next school year. But part of you is also trying to kind of regroup a little bit mentally to prepare yourself to then go back out on that stage uh, come August. So during that time, your vocal cords rest. And once you go back to teaching, you have a sore throat for about three weeks. Until yeah, the first couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, well, there are teachers that, um, you know, do the unheard of um, and they actually teach in the summer. And it's, it's more because I hate to say it, but teachers don't earn a lot of money and they have an opportunity sometimes to earn some money over the summer. I've heard tell that this current year, the, the price for a summer school teacher is a little bit higher. You know, they're, they're having to ante up a little bit more. So some teachers are biting and saying, okay, um, everybody has their price, you sure. know, and you offer enough, um, you get a lineup of volunteers and people are fighting each other for those slots. But some, some teachers do that. I don't think I've ever taught summer school. Um, I can't, can't recall. Um, it seems like I, I do other work, you know, but I, you know, I have side hustles and I do music and things like that. But have you ever even been tempted to teach summer school? Never in my life have I been tempted. Has it occurred to me? I mean, from whether you're talking about, um, you know, teaching summer school to reading for an AP exam or something like that. I just, I mean, I mean, teaching. I can't do it, you know, because I need that step away. I need that mental kind of break as it were, because it, it just, like I said, it takes a lot out of me. Now, as far as like doing like AP read or something like that, my fifth circle of hell is being stuck inside of some sort of bland, boring, generic hotel conference room, reading one essay after another every single day for five days or six days or what have you just, just kill me. It just, I, I mean, it would kill me. And so I just, you know, I just, I can't do it. And yeah, I know it's, I know it's nice money, but I've accepted that I'm okay with a little less money. And if that means that I'm not doing the AP read, or that means I'm not doing summer school, I'm okay with that decision. I just can't do that. But what I do choose to do is to seek out opportunities to enrich myself in, in different ways. Now, enriching myself could mean taking the family on a vacation to a place that I find culturally, historically, or otherwise interesting. It could be taking students to Germany, as you and I have done over the course of the last 10 years or so. It could mean being a part of some sort of workshop or something like that, where I get to learn something different or learn something new or learn something in a different way. But um, the notion of working in a traditional sense, the way I do from August to May, no, that has never occurred to me. Well, you probably uh, are making a wise decision because you would be much grumpier, you know, for all of us, including your, your students, if you didn't have, <laughs> have that, that break. So I think that's a good thing. Uh, you mentioned summer enrichment, you know, for, for teachers. Some of it is required. I mean, we both uh, teach AP. I mean, I taught AP German for, for years, and you've taught a, a variety of AP, AP courses, um, and there are requirements uh, to attend institutes, summer institutes. They usually last 
a week, uh, typically at a local university, but uh, sometimes it becomes a travel option where you go to some interesting place and, and spend a week with other teachers in your field. Um, I've found that that breaks the spell a little bit and not necessarily in a good way, but it, it's so amazing how quickly you get back into the mindset of teaching when you're surrounded by teachers in your field and you talk shop and, uh, and I don't know if that's necessarily a good thing. I mean, you've been a bit of those and, and the knowledge is important and, and often uh, it's much way more focused than in any professional development you get at school because this is what we dream of, you know, in your area. Uh, but at the same time, the, the timing um, in June or whatever it is, uh, it interrupts um, that repose, I would say. It does. And it also, while on one hand it can lead to the enrichment that you seek, you know, the idea of being amongst um, uh, shared uh, personalities and traits and what have you, the things that you're drawn to, shared interests, uh, you also have the other side of what happens when you hang out with teachers, someone, and, and it, it doesn't take long before the, the bitching starts. You know, you get a bunch of people, you get a bunch of teachers together and it doesn't take long before they're convention about one thing or another. And, uh, and then you realize why you don't hang out with teachers, you know, and then you just, you just, again, you die a thousand deaths and they're just dealing with this. And, and so sometimes, you know, when I'm in those kind of environments, I certainly spend my time talking with folks, you know, discussing things or what have you. But I, I also spend a lot of time still alone, you know, go to lunch by myself or do whatever by myself. And so um, those are the, the risk you run when you do and that kind of thing. And, and you're right. You find yourself quickly back in the dynamics of a school setting, you know, and, you know, the good side of it is that you're doing training that, as you mentioned, is certainly more worthwhile than the average stuff you might come across in your school-based training, but you're also taking yourself back into the fray, as it were. Well, that, that fray starts um, relatively early. I mean, it, it does sneak up on you. Mm. I think the the idea of June, July, and August is 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 gone. Mm. You know, the, the August date is getting earlier and earlier, so it's about two months and change. Mm. Um, and, and so that you know that's always out there. And at some point, it gets in your mind, like, oh, this, the summer's not eternal; <laughs> it's not an endless summer. Um, and 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 you get a little stress starting to you know picture going back. Um, we've already talked about that summer professional development and how, you know, I, I want to just keep driving or, or drive right to the district office and resign as soon as I, <laughs> I hate it. Um, but something I didn't hate was, was the week before that, you know, where the teachers, you know, would, would start to straggle in one by one, sometimes in twos or threes, but they would go into their room because they know that they're going to be stuck in these silly meetings for a whole mm. week and they're not going to get to put things up on their board or get organized or get their materials. And so right. I kind of liked that, you know, having a little bit of time to actually make a transition because going from summer to a faculty meeting is probably not smart. That's a, a little bit harsh that, you know, that it's soul crushing is what it is. Soul crushing. <laughs> Always <laughs> a little stronger than what I say here. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's because you have a you have a finer point of nuance. Uh, <laughs> well, so, so do you, have you ever been in a, a school building during during maybe let's say the late summer? I have been. You know, as department chair, I will sometimes go about a week early. 
and start kind of putting things together. Not so much to get ahead of the game, but to be made available to um, you know colleagues if they need anything. That's just one less thing I have to deal with as the rest of the staff starts to come in a week later. And so part of it is about um, part of it is about getting stuff done, stuff that you know you may or may not have time to do. But part of it is also to make yourself available to other folks if they need it. So, so yes, I mean it. It's um, I kind of like it, you know, because it represents the my favorite times of being at school, and that's when no one else is really there, you know, because it, it really there's kind of a, there's a monastic quality being surrounded by books and not people. And so as you kind of set yourself up and create your own, your, your environment once more in the classroom, then it does kind of allow you to ruminate over the coming year. It allows you to kind of, kind of fill in on that and kind of merge with that vibe that's in the classroom. Um, I do like it. Now I wonder though, to what degree do you think that the summer and the summer months serve as a source of criticism or denigration by others and the profession? Do you do you think that it's hurtful? Do you think it would be different if we had, you know, what the Germans do to kind of the year-round model, or does it really matter? I think the, the latter. I mean, the it, it doesn't matter because. Um, you know, the year-round model, you still get the same amount of time off. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Originally, the idea, I don't know what the idea was, but the, the, that a teacher could go back and you know, go to school or do, do some um, substantial travel or something. Or something. So it, it made sense. And the, the summers used to be actually three months. Right. So as, it, as it's shortened, uh, think about a, a vice principal or a principal or anyone with administrator after their name. Um, they don't have that. They have maybe half or even much less. I mean, they have, they're working for a living all the time. You know? Usually only a couple of weeks, three weeks, maybe tops. Yeah. And, and, and the, the, I mean, the difference in salary between a vice principal and a teacher isn't that much. And you're, you're sacri- mm. sacrificing, you know, vacation and, and a lot of other things to, to be able to wear that suit and have a clipboard. Um, but you're saying the sacrifice is not commiserate with the pay raise. I don't think so. I mean, you're also trying to pass through that position. I don't think any vice principal says, I want to be a vice principal for life. <laughs> you know, they want the big office. Right. Um, and then they want to get out of that office to the district. Um, but it is a little bit different because if you do come in the summer, you're apt to run into a principal or vice principal because they are working and they have a lot to do during that time, whereas the teachers don't. So, I, I, I mean, maybe to answer your question, that interaction between this is when the vice principals start to feel like administrators. So they're in, mm-hmm. they're working all, all summer and teachers come in. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's a whole different type of a career at that point. But I wonder, you know, I kind of, I've kind of alluded to it earlier when I said that, you know, the, the best of teachers will spend part of their summer reflecting and, and thinking about how to do things differently the following year. I'm wondering with no expectation that you might know or should know or or could know. But what do you think is the difference between how, say, a German teacher spends their vacation time outside of school, particularly the summer break, as opposed to what you know American teachers tend to do? Um, Is it comparable? Is it the same? Are Are they taking the break more seriously for some reason? What do you think? 
think they have a, <clears throat> a, a different attitude towards it. Um, the, the teachers I know take real vacations, dramatic ones. I mean, they'll go, you know, <laughs> they'll go to, I don't know, Yugoslavia or someplace that has an EIA at the end. They're, you know, they'll go to Greece. They, they will travel. I mean, Europe, you can get places inexpensively. It's all pretty compact. Right. Um, but what they don't do is, is stay home. You know, that, mm. that wouldn't enter into their thinking. You know, let's have a staycation. They'll say, what is a staycation? You know, I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> they, they wouldn't understand the word, but also the idea. You need to, so the, so in their case, they get away very quickly mm. uh, and, and go, I mean, don't you remember, you know, some of our, our friends, I mean, they talk about these pretty exciting vacations and, and so our little road trips, you know, quite different, you know, than there, mm. but they get the heck away is, is my impression. Remember our famous, our favorite communist friend. Yeah, they've done a couple of trips to Cuba. Remember, if you recall, I mean, it's, so we're talking. We're talking about far-flung destinations. We're not talking about. And when I call her a communist, I mean it with the deepest amount of love and respect yes. and, and affection. So, but uh, but yes, I mean they, they do get out of town, you know. Yeah. Um, and it kind of is commiserate with the time that a lot of Europeans do leave. August is typically the month where a lot of people take off, and and so. You know, it's it's a continental kind of movement out of the continent. Well, it, and it goes into their planning. I mean, here we are talking about Germany again, but but they rotate their vacation by state. You know, they have the the federal states, mm -hmm. and um, so early June or whatever, maybe you know, in in Bavaria and another mm -hmm. couple of states, and then they shift it. Otherwise, they would have traffic jam. Um, that would yeah. never move. Right. Know? I mean, on their news reports, they, they measure traffic jams in kilometers. <laughs> you know, they really do. Uh, yes. And, and so I, I think that the travel, you know, is, is really important to them. Mm -hmm. Vacation, I think it's the same thing. Maybe the word means the same thing. We need to <laughs> travel. Um, but, but the same for teachers and, and really for students and everybody. They get the heck out of there. Well, then that begs the question, because a lot of times people who are espousing the need for reform, as we have done uh, on multiple occasions thus far on this podcast in its nascent stages, um, and sometimes we have lifted up the European model or some European models as worthy of emulation. And I'm wondering whether you know, the, the, the idea that teachers are going to workshops or they're going to conferences or they're things of that nature, is that ultimately healthy for the teacher or should they be making more of a break of it? Um, I, I would take it on the complete other side. I think that we, we should be doing what they're doing. The, the idea of having kids home all summer is, is quite a pain to, for parents. First of all, it, it creates challenges, um, but I, I, I think that their idea of, of really doing year-round, year they have like six-week vacations or four or something interspersed a couple of times or, or three times, um, is, is more online because this long summer, uh, it's not as productive. At some point, it, it gets a little bit boring, I, right. at least in my experience, whereas if you know you have six weeks, you're more likely to, to do things. So I've... I think we're taking it a little bit far. You know, it's not mm -hmm. combat. You know, they're, they're in rooms with, with students talking. Um, I don't know. Sometimes it's felt like it. I don't know. Yeah. But, uh, but, but I mean, even I mean, you've 
been <laughs> no, you don't you don't say okay now i need three months r and r i mean <laughs> you wouldn't have much of the military the r and r is pretty short and sweet right yeah, just just enough to get the cobwebs out and get back in it so <laughs> that's right uh and and as you think about the the students as charlie stooping in the bush you know the longer they're <laughs> there the, the softer the longer i sit here the weaker i get and charlie gets stronger yes i know so. <laughs> yeah. but um but yeah, so I, I think about the the end of that that summer break. It's it's almost like um, it, it drags on at some point, and and so I I did find myself working, you know, preparing, mm-hmm. doing, you know, writing curriculum. I wrote curriculum all year round. That's what I did. And so by the, by the end, I was ready to get back. And then once I got back, I thought, what the hell? <laughs> I don't want to be here. Um, so it's 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 a love hate thing. But I had that throughout my career. You know, want, wanting to you know be a, a a teacher in that school until I retire, or wanting to leave the next day, and it changed about every day. It's a little bit uh, schizophrenic, you know. So perhaps the best summer is more of a a mishnum. Yeah, it's a, some sort of combination of um, the 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 kind of the professional uh, enrichment with serious vacations, honest vacations, a serious stepping away from the job. That that is probably the best way to go about it. Well, but remember that we're a little bit weird, um, and and just our, a little bit. <laughs> and our, yeah, and our teacher colleagues listen to this are are, are yelling at the screen or their phone, slamming uh, the dashboard. <laughs> yeah, they want they want their two and a half months and yes. shut up, Miller and Bourgeois. <laughs> you know, don't, don't mess. What the hell are you doing? <laughs> So, so I, I think we'd have a lot of hate mail, if, you know, if we had a lot of listeners on this one. <laughs> if we had a means by which they could respond to us, they would they would do so. Yeah, yeah. but I, I think, you know, because part part of the issue, and we've talked about this before, part of the issue as far as how people view teachers and the seemingly lack of respect that some people hold teachers, part of it has to do with the lack of professionalism. You know, some people don't necessarily conduct themselves like professionals. Some people don't see their job professionally, you know, you know, doing Zoom sessions with a martini just out of camera range or, you know, whatever the case may be, you know, not to go back to the alcohol thing, but I mean, just often. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for someone who doesn't drink, it does tend to come up often. But but the idea of that there should be a kind of a growing expectation of of the teacher as a professional. And it would seem to suggest that part of that time should be spent during the summer, well, enriching yourself, you know, making yourself more aware of your content, making yourself better prepared for the school year. So it's not just like a, you know, it's, you, know it's not, you don't, you don't approach the school year like a goldfish. You just remembered everything that you now have to do in the course of the next nine months. But, but the idea that, you know, you should be, you should be coming into that building ready to rock and roll, ready to go. And, and perhaps that's part of the expectation or that should be the expectation. Well, I think in an ideal world, the, the teacher should go to school. I mean, that, that should be something that, that you know, take a college course or two in your area. That, that's mm-hmm. what we would like to see. Yes. Um, and, and there's time to do it. I mean, it's really set up to align with a, you know, an eight week summer session, something like that. So that would be, ideal and you know as a department head you would probably be really happiest if if your teachers you know learned a little bit more about history you know or, or 
you know, just an idea, throw it, it out couldn't there. Couldn't hurt. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and you know, English teachers should read read some books, you know, and talk about them. Um, yeah. So that, again, that's where we we're, we're I guess that's the old school idea that we're you know, we're not trying to to extend the party. We're we're trying to get people back to work a little bit. And I think also it's just that maybe not to approach it as an infringement, but rather as an opportunity, you know, I, I, you know, and you run into these folks, these folks who saw colleges as simply something to get through. And you got, you have what, like 15 degrees or something in college, various colleges around the country. And, you know, I have a couple, it's measly in comparison, but uh, (laughs) still, I mean, (laughs) but I, I just, I like being in a classroom. I like learning stuff, you know? And so, and I think that that should be the kind of the natural state of mind of a, of a teacher, you know, and, and that should be something that they should want to do. Now, again, there's realities. I also have a daughter who uh, strangely enough would not just sit idly by while her, her father, you know, um, studied something, you know, but at the same time, um, you know, there, there has to be a way to try to find to make that work, you know? Well, as the, the summer winds down and you start to look ahead, uh, it almost reminds me of the rhythms of, of baseball, doesn't it? As you get later into the, the summer, those dog days of summer, what do you call it? But isn't there, is there something there about the rhythm of a school year, which we love? I mean, that's why we teach in a way, because there, there's a, there's a semblance of order in, in the way that year progresses. And there's, there is a semblance of order. There is a flow within the school year. And conversely, there's also a flow of the summer, you know, where, you know, the first few weeks are met with unbridled enthusiasm and, you know, just ready to go do something. And then uh, you get into the second three weeks and you start to get the sudden realization that your vacation is halfway over and you need to start doing stuff in preparation for the school year. And then the last three weeks or so are spent sitting there bemoaning the fact that you're about to go back. But, uh, uh, you know, and, and that's when the pitchers and catchers return. Metaphorically. <laughs> <laughs> that's when the in-service happens and, you know, uh, voluntary workouts and, you know, voluntary. <laughs> We're talking about practice. <laughs> so, but uh, um, I don't know. So just, there's just a lot there. Uh, and I, I'm not quite sure what the right answer is. I mean, I, because there's a reality that teachers have to deal with and, and, you know, cause most teachers are not married to one another. God bless it. I mean, who'd want to marry another teacher? Well, wait a minute. I, I, I actually did that actual <laughs> thing as did my wife. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I could, I, I don't know. Well, my wife was also teaching, although she was teaching in college at the time. So you're getting off track. Mr. I Robert. am getting off track. <laughs> but I just think, I mean, it's just that, you know, teachers have obligations over the summer and that kind of some, sometimes it, sac- it compromises what it is that maybe a teacher should do or can do over the course of the break. Why don't we just stop being grumpy and just say we, we love summer and, it, and it's perfect summer. as it is. I'm about, I'm, about, I'm about to head to the mountains myself, so I'm ready. So Okay. Because, I mean, you seem happy. I've kind of got you back grumpy a little bit talking about what <laughs> could be, but, but maybe this is one small thing we don't need to reform. It's, it's just fine. You know, it's kind of like morning coffee. It's just fine. You don't, you don't need to change it. I think that's why. Okay, let's let that be the uh, let that be the uh, the the characteristic uh, statement of the show. Wow, things are fine. 
so when I pick the music for this episode, it's going to be upbeat and joyful as we're, we're talking our way out of it. Something jaunty. Jaunty? Yes. <laughs> I've never used that word. Me not again. I like the word jaunty. I think we need to bring it back. Okay. That and haberdasher. Oh, my goodness. I want to bring back haberdasher. There's a lot of things you want to bring back. I told you about the time I, I, I was getting a suit from some guy at a well-known uh, national chain of suits. Yeah. And I asked him, I said, has anyone ever called you a haberdasher? And he didn't know what the word meant. He thought you were insulting him. Well, he didn't know what I was doing. He <laughs> saw it was strange. Weird. As it's already been established in this show that we're weird, you know? And I remember looking at my wife. I said, we need to leave. This guy doesn't even know the history of his own profession. He doesn't know what a haberdasher is. Oh, my goodness. Um, we got to bring this stuff back. There's a metaphor in there somewhere about somewhere. whole lives. Um, <laughs> Well, let's, let's call it good here, Miller. I've, I've enjoyed the conversation, particularly the haberdasher uh, <laughs> line. We'll, we'll stick with that. Well, uh, in that case, have a great weekend. Hair Dr. Bourgeois. You as well. Here, here, Miller. <laughs> <laughs>